You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. So the reason I wanted to play that video is um, <clears throat> when I've been preparing this message, the song, the one song that really fitted with what I wanted to share uh, the guys hadn't learned it yet, so I really wanted to just bring it in because the message of that song by Elevation Worship Music is all about you and me building an altar. And I want to look at that today along with one or two other things because I want to look at rebuilding our lives. Did you know this is the last day, uh, Sunday in January? Isn't it great to come to the end of one of the darkest, coldest months of the year? Though it hasn't been that bad this year. But spiritually, it does mark a time as well. As we begin to move into the new year fully, by the time you get to the second month, the whole concept of new year is over. However, today is the first year for most of the people on the planet. This is the first day of the year. It's the Chinese New Year. And some of our Chinese brothers and sisters are celebrating that last night and today. So it still is a new year. Isn't that right, Asian people? Yes. And everyone else is going, what? What? <laughs> Welcome, Cafe Church. Good to have you with us as well. Hopefully, you're listening and watching uh, as we come into the Word. So, you and I were born broken. The Bible tells us that when man rebelled against God, it brought something called the fall. And a brokenness came into the world. Michael touched on it last week. Nature is broken. Our bodies are broken. Sometimes our minds are broken. So you and I are dealing with a broken world. And that's why Jesus Christ came and was crucified so that you and I could have a new life. Hallelujah. And everyone who chooses to believe can have new life in him. And part of that new life journey is rebuilding what was inherently broken within us all. So the person sitting near you would have a very different brokenness to you or to me. And we can all have a different brokenness, but we really are all broken. So I'm going to look at rebuilding our lives. I'm going to take verses from an Old Testament chapter. It's from a book called Ezra. And I'm just going to take some verses from chapter 3. Sorry, this has just gone all echoey. I feel like I'm in the opera house. I feel like the Pope in St. Peter's Square. My people, 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 people. <laughs> I love you, 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 you. <laughs> Thanks, Jism. We're back to normal. The context of what we're about to read is God's people in the Old Testament were the Jews. God's people today are what? The Christians. Doesn't mean God still isn't going to move among the Jews, but today the Christians are God's people. Do, do we need a few verses for that? Will you trust me on that one? The people of God today are Christians, those who love and follow Jesus Christ, whatever church they happen to be in. But back then it was the Jews, and what they had was their own country, Israel. And the most important place within Israel was the capital city. Who can tell me what that was called? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And the most important place within Jerusalem, anyone know that? The temple. 
And back then, it was a physical temple. And that was where God's presence was. And that's where people made themselves. They got right with God. They went and they bought their sacrifices there. We'll look at that in a second. So the temple was the essence of everything. And what we're about to read in Ezra, in the Old Testament, it was at a time the people of God rebelled against him. Mary was sharing in her prayer requests earlier, how easy it is for you and for me to drift away from God. That's exactly what happened to the people of God back then. Most of them drifted away from God. They became lukewarm first, and then they became cold. They didn't really care about God. They got more excited about the football or whatever was happening back then than they did about God. Money became more important. And they started serving other gods. Today, you're not going to find people running, bowing down to a statue probably. But they probably will go to someone who will read the tarot cards. Or they will go to the White Witch and Cove. Or they will go and shopping will become a god. Or sex will become a god. Or hash will become a god. But everyone will serve something and it becomes the most important thing in their lives. And that's what happened to the people of God back then. They grew cold. There was no more passion. They didn't really love the Lord anymore. And so what happened then? God had to withdraw his protection. We're fooling ourselves if we think that because we asked the Lord into our lives a couple of years ago, and then we stopped walking in God's ways, that we're still going to have his blessing and his protection on our lives, it's conditional. His love isn't conditional, but his blessing and his protection are conditional. So if we're off living a totally different lifestyle to Christianity, and we expect that God will protect us and bless us, and it doesn't really work that way. And the people of God back then found out that for their cost, because God withdrew his protection. An enemy came in from a place called Babylon, and devastation followed. And so we know, as I bring up the next slide, are we tuned in down there, guys? We are? Great stuff. So here's the context. What happened was an enemy invaded. All of the Jews were deported, deportation. They were forced to move many, many miles away. And for about 50 to 70 years, they lived in exile in a place called Babylon around Iraq today. Until God changed the law because he changed the heart of the emperor, Cyrus. And he then allowed Jews to return to Jerusalem and to Israel. And out of a couple of million, 50,000 caught the vision. It always begins with a minority. Anything God does, only a small number have something going on in here that they catch the vision. Their imagination is fired intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. Something sparks off within. And so this relatively small group, that's about the population of the city of Waterford, 50,000, they made the long journey returned to Jerusalem, and one of the leaders was a guy called Ezra, and he was called to rebuild the temple. This is what God raised him up to do. 
Now, if you study the scriptures in the Old Testament, don't get confused with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra, his calling was to rebuild the temple. Some of us are called to serve in worship or with children or with preaching and teaching or with leadership or with outreach. Different people have different callings. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever had, and maybe it's good for you as well, it's not only to know what your calling is, it's to know what your calling isn't. Because if we try and make something work and God hasn't called us to do it, it's not going to work. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. But Ezra was called to rebuild the temple. So Jerusalem and the, and the nation of Israel, was, was, it was a ghost town. Other people moved in. They weren't believers in God. So spiritually, physically, economically, in every way, these people were pioneers. They were moving into a devastated area. God is raising up pioneers today. And here in Cork, it may be doing well economically, but spiritually, the city we live in, the county, the nation we live in, is really lacking a spiritual passion and a vision. But God has raised you up. Hallelujah. I wonder, do you see yourself in that way? That you are part of an army that God is raising up. You might go, I barely got in here today. It doesn't matter. God has started something in your life. So this is the context, and I'm going to read the scripture, and I pray, Lord, your word would feed our souls today in Jesus' name. Let's read Ezra 3. Sorry, guys, this, this is on, but I don't know, something isn't working down there. Once the people returned to Jerusalem, if, sorry, Cafe Church, if you could put up the, uh, the scripture slides there, that would help. Once the people returned to Jerusalem, the Jews who were in Babylon, the leaders built an altar despite their fear of the unbelievers around them. They offered their sacrifices on it unto the Lord. Then they began to lay the foundations of the new temple. And when the foundations were laid, the people gathered to praise the Lord. Next slide, please. Together, they sang to the Lord. And all the people gave a loud shout of praise to God. Because the foundations of the temple were laid. But many of the older people wept aloud. Because they remembered the former temple. Yet many of the younger people shouted for joy. And this sound was heard very far away. Let's see what this is saying. We're told in verse 2 that once they returned, the leaders built an altar to the Lord. This is so important. This is important for you and for me today. First thing, first thing, numero uno, on Kedro the Yenevshiv. I can't speak any other languages. The first thing, le premier objet, the first thing they did was they built an altar. Before they did anything else, what does that tell you? This was the primary thing they did. 
And the altar was like a big stone table. And on that altar, they would bring wheat and doves and lambs. And they would sacrifice them on the altar. Why? Because Jesus hadn't come yet. They did not have the advantage you and I have of going to Jesus and getting right with him directly. They had to make an animal or a wheat sacrifice. And when they did that, it meant that they, their sins were forgiven. They were acceptable to God. Now they could pray. Now they could worship. Now they could leave their burdens with the Lord. Now they connected and were right with him. So above everything, they built an altar. Now, we don't have physical altars today. Some people find that strange. But you and I are called to build an altar. Make no mistake about it. We're called to build. What do we do with the altar? We bring our sacrifices to the altar today. So we come and we confess our sin. Michael had that opportunity at the beginning. We ask the Lord to forgive us our sin. Jesus does forgive us our sin. But he also says, he said it to the woman caught in adultery, Go and sin no more. So there's a balance there. We ask God to forgive us, but we take on board the fact that he's calling us to a narrow path. And we ask him to forgive us. We bring our prayers, our requests to him. We bring our sacrifices of praise. That's when we worship, we sing, and we thank him verbally and in our hearts. We lay our burdens there. It's all about connecting to the Lord. So we come to the altar and we build an altar and that's the first thing we do. And that's why on the first day of the week, and it happens to be Sunday, we collectively come and build an altar. On six days, you can do the other things, but give a day to the Lord, would anyone say amen? Carve out time. You can shop in Mahan Point every other day of the week. You can even do it this evening. Someone said, yeah. <laughs> we carve out time for God. And they built an altar to the Lord. And the Lord is saying to many of us here, you need to build an altar afresh. Some of us, may, maybe we never did that. And some of us, we need to do it again. And I love the context when it says, despite their fear of the unbelievers around them, they offered their sacrifices to God. You see, there was unbelievers around them who mocked them. Who laughed at them. Who tried to undercut them. Whether it was emotionally or mentally. And what I love about this, it didn't mean they weren't afraid of the unbelievers. Because they did have a fear of what they could do to them. But despite the fear they still offered their sacrifices to the Lord. That's true courage. Some people think courage is not having any fear. No, courage is despite having the fear, you're going to do it. And they offered their sacrifices and the unbelievers are all around them. And I, can, I, can I do a clarion call today and say, if you have people in your family who are mocking you, despite your fear of what your family may say, bring your sacrifices to the Lord. It's amazing. Quite a number of teenagers have gotten saved from non-Christian families. And, and they come in, and, and I'm constantly hearing parents opposing the teenagers. <laughs> 
And it's such a different thing to Christian families. The parents are trying to encourage the teenage. But young people coming to know the Lord, the parents are opposing them. Or a guy or a girl will get saved and their husband or wife will oppose them. Or people at work and word gets out you're a Christian and they'll oppose you. Or a neighbor or whatever it is. I remember when I lived in Carrigaline for 20 years, a neighbor across the way became a Christian. Some of you know her, Carol. But her next door neighbor, he was a retired guard. And he got wind we were Christians. And I remember we used to have meetings, meetings in our house and he would stand like that outside the door. He still thought he was a guard. Do you know those kind of guys? He's... <laughs> He still thought he was a guard, and he thought he could intimidate us, and he'd stand like that. And once he got some crony of his, and the two of them were standing outside the door. They were trying to intimidate us. God forbid that we should be bullied or intimidated by any man. You and I are called to please an audience of one, and that's the Lord. Men, women, they'll come and they'll go. But he's the one who was, who is, and is to come. And these guys, they had that burning in their heart. So all around them, they were being mocked and ridiculed, and people laughed at them. But they did their business despite their fear. And then it moved on, and the first big work after the, making the altar was to lay the foundations of the temple. This temple became known as Zerubbabel's temple. This is most likely the physical temple that Jesus came and worshipped in and preached in and did miracles around. It was this temple where the 120, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, burst out and it was here and they preached the gospel in all the different languages. It was in this physical temple that a lot of the early church, huge gatherings with thousands every day would gather because there were a number of physical temples. You had Solomon's temple and so on. And Zerubbabel was one of uh, Ezra's guys. He was part of the team. But they poured the foundations. And then they declared, stop. Let's recognize how far we've come. Let's celebrate this important day. We have laid the foundations of the temple. 50 or 70 years, there was nothing. And now we've got foundations. Now, if that was me, naturally, I would go, would you, are you stupid? Don't mind the foundations. You've walls to build. You've windows. You've roofs. Get on with the work. And when it's all done, no, 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 no. Stop and recognize how far you have come. How far you have come. Is there loads more to do in your life? Of course there is. As in mine. But stop and recognize how far you have come. And so, uh, a holy, a, a praise, a celebration was called. And all of the uh, musicians, the minstrels, the guys who played the worship uh, uh, instruments, the singers, they all dressed up. They all came to celebrate. All of the leaders were there and a huge crowd gathered. So we're told that once the foundations of the temple were laid, the people gathered together to sing and praise the Lord. And as they sang and praised the Lord, they just lifted up their voices with a loud shout. I remember someone rebuking me years ago. I, I, I don't know, I must have been getting excited in a meeting. My voice probably carries a bit too much. And someone said, you're too loud in your praises to God. You're too loud. And I said, 
I'm very sorry I didn't. <laughs> I didn't say sorry. And he said, how would you make that out? They said, we should always be quiet in the Lord's presence. <clears throat> and they're right up to a point. There's a time when we're to be silent. There's a time for quiet worship. But equally, just as much, the Bible encourages us, there's, the, there's a time where we lift up our voices. This is one of those many times where they praise God with a loud shout. Why? Because this was a historic moment. This was full of event and full of meaning. And they weren't going to let this pass. And so they were going to raise their voices. And they raised their voices and they praised God with a loud shout. And then something, to my mind, fascinating happened from a human psychology point of view. Because we see two groups of people at the same event, looking at the same foundations, but they had a totally different perspective and response to what they saw. And I'm going to put two scriptures up side by side. It's both from verse 12 of Ezra chapter 3. And I've left a little gap in the middle so we can see. Many of the older people wept, but the younger people rejoiced at the same time. The older people started weeping. This was an emotional, incredibly emotional experience. You know why? Because these people were passionate about their faith. If they weren't passionate about their faith, they couldn't care less. A lot of people play a game when it comes to faith. These people weren't playing a game. This was authentic. And any time you have passionate belief in something, you will see a spectrum of responses. But the older people wept and the younger people rejoiced. And it goes on and it says... So great was the sound. People were saying, is that rejoicing? Is it weeping? These are the unbelievers far off. They couldn't make out what was going on. It was some meeting to be at. Here's the thing. The older people were wrong. They were wrong. I understand what was going on. Remember, some of them would have been there 50 years ago. Let's say they were 20. They were young adults. And now they're 70. So this was a cathartic moment. Cathartic or catharsis means where you let it all out. This is a cathartic moment for them because they would have remembered the fantastic building that was there. And they would have remembered the great move of God that used to happen there. And now they come back and the, it was a ghost town. It was in ruins and there was a bit of old concrete in a, in a foundation trough. That was nothing compared to the way it used to be. But the younger guys, they never saw the old thing. For them, they lived for years in um, exile, surrounded by people who were against them. And now for the first time in their lives, something new was happening. They were part of a great army, a new cause, a place where God could be worshipped, him and him alone. And so they were really excited. They were both looking at the same thing. Why were the older people weeping? Because the glory and the blessing had departed from their circumstances. It wasn't just the big thing. It was they themselves. Like some of us here, we feel like the glory or the blessing has departed from our circumstances. For them, remembering the old temple, 
The Ark of the Covenant was gone. The heavenly fire was gone. The mercy seat was gone. The heavenly manna, the showbread was gone. Aaron's rod that budded was gone. The divine Shekinah, that was gone. The spirit of prophecy, that was gone. Even the Urim and the Tumim by which they told the future as God's spirit moved upon it, that was gone. Gone, gone, gone. All was there was some foundations. But you know, regrets of the past will always paralyze the work of the present. If your heart or your head is back in the past, in a negative or in a positive way, it doesn't matter. If you're in your heart saying today, before I was married, it was better. Before I had the children, it was better. When I had that older job, it was better. When I was that age, it was better. When I had hair, it was better. <laughs> it wasn't actually. I'm way more handsome now. Hallelujah! All of us have seen aspects of our lives go as we go through the seasons of life. Little Emmanuel, very prophetically actually, in my opinion, came out and shared that scripture. There's a season for everything. And the older people here got caught up in a season and they, they just got caught up in it. They weren't able to move forward. You can go into loads of churches and they're stuck in 200 years ago. Great move of God 200 years ago. We celebrate it. What about today? Can God do something today? Praise God for the past, but I'm believing for something wonderful today. In fact, the scripture warns us and it says, Ecclesiastes 7.10, it's never wise to ask, why were the good old days better than today? The good old days, these are the good days. These are the halcyon days. These are the days when we can see God move. Praise God for the past. Two groups of people looking at exactly the same thing. Part of my role as a senior pastor when we were getting a building and securing this building was to raise funds outside of the congregation here. Because I knew from years ago, Michael and myself knew, we knew God didn't want us to go into debt. He didn't want us owing money. And hallelujah, we are debt free. Anyone say hallelujah? We are debt free. But we knew we had to raise money and some of that raising of funding would be from outside of our own congregation. In the end, we raised half of the funding from outside our own congregation, mainly from America. But I remember going with one of the guys that I had approached. You know, it's not something you really want to do. You don't want to go, as it were, begging to people. But you just have to forget about your own pride. And if you have a vision, and if you know God needs... God can do something like a physical building to house what we're doing here. You just have to go and have those awkward conversations. So anyway, communicated with a number of people. I was put in contact with a guy, and he was a multimillionaire, and he came to visit. And we had just taken over the building, and we knew that more than a million euro would need to be spent because it was dilapidated, it was falling to bits. And we spent over a million uh, to refurbish this building and get it back up to scratch. And so, by faith, I was bringing him into the building, and it was in a bad state. It really hadn't 
people here beforehand just hadn't the money or the manpower to do the work. So I was showing this guy around the building, and I was getting all excited. I was saying, this is what we're going to do here. We're going to blow that wall out. We're going to put a big glass roof there. This is going to be the crash. Teenagers are going to hang out there. This is going to be a great spell. <laughs> now, I was looking at the same dilapidated building as he was. And to put it mildly, he was underwhelmed. He thought the place was a dump. And while initially he said, yeah, I might make a donation, or yeah, I really believe in you, you know, what we were doing. But in the end, the two of us looked at the same building, like you should have seen the state of this place, looked at the same building, and we saw two different things. He never made up making a donation. It didn't matter. Jehovah Jireh, amen? God provides, and, and he did. But two people can be looking at your life. Two people can look at your past. Two people can look at your family, or your career, or your studies, or your relationships, and they can see two very different things. Which one, and how does God view it? In this situation, the young people got it right, and the older people got it wrong because God was calling them to something far greater and far better. I love what Brian Houston, the founder of the Hillsong Movement, great movement all over the world, churches all over the world, they've got a good TV channel. Brian Houston says this, God never leaves what belongs to him in ruins. He's a God of life. He's a God of restoration. And he is rebuilding our lives. Do you believe that? So we looked at the Old Testament and all of that, but today he's rebuilding your life. That's what he's doing. Let me close with a contemporary prophet, a guy called Haggai, and he was there. He was watching all this happen. He was one of the 50,000 who was stirred to join in and to be a part of this great move of God, and he was looking on. And then the Holy Spirit fell on him, and he began to prophesy about the temple the older temple that was gone, that the old people were weeping about, the newer temple that was being built now, and actually, unknown to him, he was actually prophesying about the temple today. Is there a temple in Jerusalem today? No. We don't need a temple in Jerusalem. Guess who the temple are? We are. The Bible tells us God no longer dwells in buildings made with human hands. But he has raised up a temple made with living stones. You, me, you, 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 all of us, and Christians all over Ireland and Cork and all over the world, we are the temple, and God's Holy Spirit lives in us. So it's a whole new concept. And so this guy Haggai, as I close, was actually prophesying about the new physical temple, but unknown to him, he was talking about today. This is what he says. Who of you is left who saw the glory of the former temple? Does this one seem like nothing to you now? But now be strong, declares the Lord. Listen to this for your life. Be strong, you people of God, and work, for I am with you. My spirit remains among you. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. When we were raising funds here, we knew God is our banker. We weren't dependent on a man or a woman as such. We were dependent on the Lord. 
the silver is his and the gold is his. Would anyone say amen? So we could have faith and believe. This new temple will be more glorious than the older temple was. And there, my, feet, my people will find blessing and peace. The old King James puts it like this. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Hang on a while, Aaron's rod that, rod that budded, and the showbread, and the mercy seat, and the chicken, all of these things were... The glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. This new temple will be more glorious than anything happened in the past. You are a living stone in the temple that God has built for today. And what God is doing in you now is better than what he was doing in the past. God has given us the past and the future, but all you can handle and all I can handle is today. The Bible warns us, don't be anxious, don't get worried. None of us can worry about tomorrow. It's enough about today. So what is God doing in your life today? Here's my conclusion. He's calling you and he's calling me. Okay, not sure. We stuck again there, lads. Can you turn that, Robin? Thank you. He's calling us to build our altar and he's calling us to embrace what he's doing today. Some of us need to build that altar again. Bring our praise. Ask for forgiveness. Connect with Jesus again. Maybe we did it a few weeks ago, but we need to do it again. And some of us need to leave the past behind. We need to embrace what God is doing today. Even if right now it feels like the past was better. Going to ask you to throw up that video again, Robin, if you wouldn't mind. I'm going to ask us all to stand. And as this video is going to be playing, it's just talking about building the altar. I want you to reflect and see where you are yourself. And I want you to talk to Jesus. Don't fall asleep. Would anyone say amen? amen. We're not here to fall asleep. We're here to connect with the Lord. Some of us just say, do I need to build that altar again? And I'm going to ask you to build the altar, not physically, but just spiritually. And more of us embrace today. Let that sink in you for the next minute and then we're going to pray. Just fade it out, Robin. Who's called to build an altar here? You know God is calling you. Start connecting with the Lord again. Would you lift your hands? Today, 
If, you, if this is your calling, you're here to build an altar today. You want to connect, ask the Lord to forgive you. You want to bring your prayer request. You want to experience God's presence. If that's you, are your hands lifted? I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come forward. Up you come. And more of us are here today and we're saying, I'm going to embrace what God is doing today. I'm not going to waste and lose and waste my life in the past. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? You're moving beyond the glory of the past, but you're believing for something better for today. If that's you, would you come and join us as well? Praise God. Yeah, let's just play it again as people come up. You can turn the sound up, thanks. Let's just move up. Could we kneel down if we're able, guys? We're building an altar. You don't have to if you're not physically able. Stay standing if you're not able. It's no big deal. Let's just allow the words of that song to sink into our soul. Thanks, guys. You can fade it out. So we're going to build an altar. Let's lift our hands to the Lord as we're standing or kneeling. And we're going to do what they did in the past. It's the same principle. Jesus, as we are on our knees, as we're standing, as our hands are lifted, outwardly we are saying we are building an altar. Inside we are saying we are building an altar. We're asking you to forgive us our sins. Who'll say amen? We're asking you, O oh God, to hear our prayer request. Who'll say amen? amen? And we praise and thank you, Jesus. Amen. amen. Oh God, we build an altar. We connect with you again. I believe the Lord is saying some are impacted even this morning by the unbelievers who are against you moving on with the Lord. There's an unbeliever in your family in your circle of friends, a neighbor at work, and they're like an opposition with all the eyes in the house closed. If that's you, would you lift your right hand up high? That's okay. Loads of hands going up. That's a real live issue. By the power of the living God, may God's Holy Spirit give you a double portion of courage in Jesus' name. May you overcome their mocking their criticism, their opposition, and may the face of Jesus be far stronger for you than the face of any man or any woman in Jesus' name. Amen. We build our altar here, Lord, and we connect with you again, and we thank you that this relationship is alive because our God is alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Could we stand for a moment, guys, again? Just stay where you are and stand. Some of us are here and we're saying, I'm leaving what happened in the past in the past. I thank God for it, but I'm believing for something great for today. So if that's you, would you lift up your hands? Hallelujah. Look at all those hands. Oh, Spirit of the living God. Oh, God of restoration who bought people thousands of miles to where they were meant to be. Oh God of restoration, who restored relationships that looked like they were dead. 
O God of restoration. You touched our bodies when we thought they were finished, but you gave us life again. You heal our minds. You heal our hearts. You heal relationships. You heal ministries. You heal our hope. Jesus, we leave the great things you did behind us. And in leaving them behind us, we thank you for what you've done. Who'll say amen? amen? But here we are, Lord. The last Sunday of January, the year of our Lord, 2017. Here in the first day of the Chinese New Year, we say, Lord Jesus Christ, we stand before you. We lift our hands and we embrace what you are doing here today. We will not weep for the past. We thank you for the past and we leave the old days in the old days. And we declare, today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe I'm just to lay hands on some people's heads just very briefly. You know that you're struggling with embracing what's happening today because something of the past. And I believe the Lord just wants you to be just literally for a second or two, just lay hands on you so that you really can move into what God wants to do for your life today. So if that's you, I want you to stay where you are. If, you, if that's not you, could you move back to your seats? If everyone could remain standing, let's just put up the video and we'll just play that as our closing worship song. But if you want prayer, I'm just going to touch your head briefly and pray you'll move from the past to the present. As soon as I pray for you, you can go back to your seat. Hallelujah. Come to the present and leave the past. Let's embrace the rest of today. Let's embrace this week. And we continue to embrace this new year. And what God wants to do in your life. And what he wants to do in your family's lives. So whether it's for yourself, for your husband, your wife, your mum, your dad, your son, your daughter, your brother or your sister. God wants to do something new. Let's pray none of us would be locked in to a lie but that we would be set free to the truth that sets us free. Amen. Let's lift our hands one last time. As we close our gathering here, Jesus, we embrace today and we embrace this new life. And I pray that nobody, not one of us, would get locked into a lie that the old days were better. This day is the day you have made. So for us, for our loved one that our hearts are aching for. We bring them or we bring ourselves before you, asking you, Jesus Savior, to do the new work today in our lives. Help us embrace it. Thank you that we can build an altar. And on that altar, O oh God, we leave our sacrifice now. Let the first day of this week be a prophetic day for this coming week. And let it serve, O oh God, as a symbol of a surrendered life all this week. We leave these prayers on the altar here. We ask you to take them from us. 
and not only hear our prayers, but answer them. In Jesus' name and for one last time, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, guys. Every one of you is like gold dust. We appreciate you. Coffee and tea upstairs. We're here Tuesday again. The Lord bless you and keep you. Talk to you soon.